It's been a tough week for yours truly, but here we are. We get to talk wrestling and I get to laugh at something I never thought I would expect to laugh at. It's this week's edition of the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. Unconventional is the name of the game this week as, uh, well, we're not covering the Elimination Chamber. Thank God, because it's over in Saudi Arabia. We will talk about it. This is not a preview and prediction show. It is mania season. And as I prefaced, thank God it's not Monday or Sunday. I was in a terrible mood the last two days. Thank God that's over with. As you can tell, I'm still salty, but that's okay. Because we get to talk wrestling on this show. It's the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. Recording a little bit early this week for, uh, well, just circumstances. uh, Well, at least out of my control. Let's put it that way. But we're recording early, which means we've got a lot of fun things to talk about on this show. There was some breaking news we'll get to. And as I prefaced, I never thought I would get joy out of a segment that we're going to have later on in the show. I am fascinated with where that goes, but before we get started, because there's something else that's on my mind that, of course, because I'm just a weird wrestling fan, I will get to. Before we go any further, Jorge, how are you, sir? Doing good, buddy. It's good to see you, and uh, again, I am uh, sorry about what transpired on Sunday night. I know that there's a lot of people who are also very upset, a lot of people who were happy. You know, it is what it is. No, it's okay. It's okay. I uh, I got out all my hatred and vitriol out of the last two days. And uh, quite frankly, I don't care what anybody thinks because I know I'm right. And that's what's important. So there we go. Uh, so thank goodness we're not doing this uh, on Monday because I literally would have been like DEFCON 5 levels. Actually, so DEFCON 1 is the worst and 5 is the least. Yeah, DEFCON 1, DEFCON 1 is absolutely the worst, Okay, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was DEFCON 1 wanting to fight people yesterday, okay? Seriously. Nobody needed to be around me yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that being said... Or Sunday night. I, uh, all I did was answer a message. That's all I did. I didn't even write the message. I got a message, and I just... Mm. Yeah. Did I say something unseasonable to you or something? No, not unseasonable, but I could feel your, your, your wrath coming through my phone and i, I was see. like I, I, I was like i did nothing i i did nothing i couldn't even yeah i couldn't even watch well i, I not that i would have watched the game but i couldn't even listen to the game and all i got was the ref screwed the bangles i was like okay good morning to you or good evening to you too all right so for those of you that don't know uh i can be like a very nice calm wonderful human being most of the time I can be sarcastic. I can be very stubborn. If you know me and you love me, you accept me for who I am. And then there are those times where I just go raging inferno mad and nobody wants to be in that path. So, yeah. Anyway, that's that's my two cents about my Bengals losing in the Super Bowl over the weekend. 
For those of you that don't believe I'm not a fan, I've been a fan since 95 when they took a running back with the first pick who was out of the league in three years. It's been pain ever since until this year. Well, amongst other things. Anyway, I got that out of the way. We do have some news that we need to talk about, but I just wanted to tell you this because I find it fascinating. So I've been posting stuff to, uh, well, a couple of people, Jorge and, of course, uh, our good friend Razor. Uh, He is, of course, a wrestling fan who I get to see not as often as I'd like, but he's a good friend, loves wrestling, and always enjoy. Great friend of the show, too. Yes. Become a really good friend of mine and a really great friend of the show. Shout out Uh, to Razor. And he's been on the show several times. Still, a couple uh, of great episodes. Go check and, them out. And I'm sure uh, we will have him on again very soon. I hope so. Uh, so basically what happened was I saw a video of Edge and Christian kazooing different wrestling themes, which included Triple H's My Time, which is his best theme, Fight Me. I, I it, it, it can be debated. Uh, I'm not going to say you're right or you're wrong. I think it's up there very much up there because uh, i think other people will go ahead and say of course you know lemmy mm-hmm. and you know the game that's that's kind of an iconic theme and then you know you've got a lot of people like king of kings i'm Little. i'm hit or miss on king of kings but then of course you go you know to the the actual degeneration degeneration x theme and then people are like oh that might be triple h's best theme but to be fair it's not triple it's not only triple h's theme it's the whole group's so right. I'm not sure if that should count. Carry on. All right. So I will I will finish this as succinctly as I can. Basically, I got from that video to to actually listening to my time to then watching the match between Triple H, The Rock, and not Steve Austin. Because, you know, they advertised Steve Austin and then it turned out to be the big show. That was then the match where the big show won the title in the WWF at the time. That was his first WWF title because the other titles he had won were the WCW titles. And then I found a video of all of his world title wins, which then included the 2012 win at Hell in a Cell over Sheamus, which we covered on our Hidden Gems episode of the 2010s, which I then went to go back to. And then... I watched a video of his feud with him and the big boss man with the casket. It's iconic, which then had me listen to the big boss man theme. And, you know, just away we went. That all started from me just wanting to hear my time and remembering the uh, the joke that I always have on the show when I say it's my time. It's my time because, you know, that's Edge singing the song because they're kazooing it because E&C that was during their uh, five second pose phase. That was good times. I it was good those, times. I missed those it, two, and I missed that gimmick, actually. And I feel so. like it's become a running gag that you mentioned Big Show and the Big Boss Man as many times as you mentioned WCW 2000. Which, by the way, we will be talking about tonight. It's going to be hilarious. Stay tuned. Anyway, however, I just wanted to get that out of the way because if you're a wrestling mm-hmm. fan and you go down these rabbit holes where like one thing triggers like 17 other things, that's what happened to me today. That, that that does happen. That that happens more often than it should. Yeah, you're not the only person that that happens to for sure. Yeah, Jorge's like, are you like obsessed with Paul White today? And I was like, no, this is what happened. And he's like, 
yeah, whatever. It's still weird. And I was like, I hate you. <laughs> I, and I don't I care. Didn't say that. Don't don't throw me under the bus like that, Roswell. I did not say that that was weird. All I said was that Big Show's title reigns weren't that great. Which, by the which way, I never. Fact. Which, by the way, I never said the Big Show's title reigns were great. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, Roswell, before we go ahead and move on to anything, can we mention that there was something that you wanted? I don't know if you wanted to mention it on the show or not. Um, because obviously, uh, Rocky did the intros on Sunday. Oh yeah. Okay. You actually want to say what did you okay. have to say about that? The biggest waste of the Rock I've ever seen in my life. What was that? Stop. It's gonna be on Fox next year. Use the WWE and the Rock in Phoenix. Sorry, Glendale. Just use them then. No, you had to waste them at this Super Bowl because we were in Hollywood. Which, by the way, mm. yeah, this whole this whole home teams playing in their own buildings two years in a row is BS. If that happens, they should be forced to play in Lambeau, where it's freezing cold. No home games, shenanigans. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, I think I think The Rock did fine. I thought it was. Um, li- <laughs> He cut a promo. Rock cut a promo, which as a wrestling fan was and it, fun. And it but wasn't even a good promo. It wasn't that great of a promo. It was it was very generic. And then people were like, oh, my God. Like There were some people who really liked it. There were some people who thought it was stupid. I was right in the middle. I love the Rock. Everybody knows that. But at the same time, I was very angry because I was like, oh, okay, cool, Rock. You'll show up to L.A. for the Super Bowl. But you won't show up to Brooklyn for Survivor Series when they're celebrating 25 years of your career. That being said... I thought it was fine. I thought his intros that he did for the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers um, for Super Bowl 55, uh, 54, excuse me, were much better. Um, I thought that was a much better layout, how they did it, where, you know, it was pre-recorded and all that good stuff instead of I found it weird for it to be live. You know what I mean? It just didn't have the same. Naturally, there'd be a terrible performance for The Rock when my Bengals are in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Thanks a but lot, it- Rock. By the way, can I and can one thing I want to get off my chest before we move on from this topic? And this is not a rock issue. This is a National Football League issue. I don't like how they say the champions of the NFC and the champions of the AS. I if you're going to go ahead and say it that way, I feel like it would actually. And I know that this is way too wordy, but I don't care. I actually would prefer hearing them say the champions of the National Football Conference and the champions of the American Football Conference. Like I feel like there's more gusto to that. Yeah, I, think I don't know if you nit- agree with me. Yeah, I, I think know. I think you're nitpicking. No, I know. I'm very much nitpicking. I, I again, I, it's a, it's, it's. It, I saw the, when I watched the rocks, pro, uh, the rocks intro for both lap, on Sunday and two years ago. I then I also went down a rabbit hole. And therefore, I watched the Ving Rhames um, introduction that he did for the Pats and for the Falcons, uh, or as Ross would say, the game that shall not be mentioned. Uh, <laughs> and Kurt Russell did it for the uh, Pats and the Seahawks a few years back. And they were really good, just like the Rocks was in Super Bowl 54. But again, they did the same thing. The champions of the NFC, champions of the AFC. I'm like, say the full words. Just say it. That's all. Okay. I'm over. I'm off the soapbox. Kind of nitpicking, but that's okay. Very much so. Because uh, that's 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 kind of you in general, and that's okay. That's all fine. right. It so here's the big news: Cody Rhodes done with AEW. Brandy Rhodes basically done with AEW, 
And the real rumor is that Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes are probably going back to WWE. Yeah, uh, Cody decided to break the internet this morning. <laughs> That's what so, he decided to do. Supposedly, Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan are not on good terms. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's put it this way. It's kind of a big deal. Because Cody Rhodes, amongst a bunch of other people, decided to start this little thing called All Elite Wrestling. And they started in October of 19. Correct. And then you also have to remember, you, uh, you know, if you want to go all the way back to September of 2018 with All In. Yes. That was the brainchild of Cody and Kenny and Nick and Matt Jackson. Of course, the, the Bucks. Chris Jericho obviously had a lot to do with that, too. But he's not the, if, you know, if, if you look at the four pillars of what are AEW, the actual real four pillars, it's it's Kenny it's Cody, it's Matt and Nick. So that being said, a pillar of, uh, and by the way. Oh, and give Brandy her due too, by the way. I, re- I really feel like the way Cody Rhodes left the WWE was kind of one of the first points of like AEW, like becoming an idea. Yeah. Because, because remember, you know, Cody left. He couldn't use the name Rhodes. Right. So that was during that time when he was going on the independence. He showed up in impact for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the AEW thing happened. Yeah. What was that? Uh, he left WWE in what? Late, mid to late 2016, Ross, right around there. Because he was in the ladder right. match in two, at, at 32 at Dallas. Um, by the way, by the way, was his last appearance on WWE television as Stardust? I think it yeah, was. That sounds wow. right. Wow. Anyway, so um, there are multiple reports that are essentially saying that this could be a real thing with Cody oh, yeah. Rhodes going to WWE. Yeah. Um. It, it, you know, you know, it's real when Sean Ross Sapp is reporting it. Madman Podcast is reporting it. Meltzer has been reporting it. Alvarez has been reporting it. Um. Uh, sports Kita. Um, what's the other one? Uh, wrestling, uh, wrestling Inc., who are actual trash, but whatever. <laughs> um, so on and so forth. Everybody has been reporting the exact same thing. Um, and here's the other thing, Ross. And uh, I mean, here's the conversation. We've started the conversation on Cody and Brandy Rhodes. There are, though, the, the whole industry is talking about this, right? And they're talking about how. You know, something happened between him and Tony. We'll get into that right now, obviously. But then there's a lot of other people who are like, oh, I think this is a work. I don't know, Ross. When you get the whole kit and caboodle of wrestling journalists reporting the exact same thing, that's kind of hard. And not to mention, I I don't know about you, but wouldn't you kind of have to get WWE to agree to not say anything? in regards to Cody coming out to potentially to sign with them because WWE, wouldn't they have come out in some way, or maybe they wouldn't, but they wouldn't, they come out in some way, shape or form, some way, shape or form, excuse me, and say, no, we've never, we haven't made a contract offer to, to Cody Rhodes. We don't plan on making a contract offer to Cody Rhodes. And that's that. No, 
Maybe they, they wouldn't. Well, so maybe then take WWE out of the equation for a second. Mm-hmm. But then getting the whole journalist world on sparked on fire. Okay. Remember also that these things get leaked to these journalists for a reason. Sure. So look, I'm not saying where there's smoke, there isn't fire. What I'm saying is this stuff gets leaked. And by the way, this is not just a pro wrestling thing. Stuff gets leaked to all sorts of media people all the time. Oh, yeah. because right now with Kyler Murray. Because right. they know, well, actually, that's a real thing because he wants to get paid. And the Cardinals are like, uh, why? That's not a discussion for right now, but yeah, I get no, what you're saying. No, yeah. but what I'm, no, but what I'm, it, it goes back to uh, perceived value versus actual value, which right. is, by the way, in any aspect of life, that's how it steer us back. Mm-hmm. So, so that is okay. So, Cody Rhodes is free agent. Yeah. Okay. Brandy's so, and Brandy's free agent. So, I mean, for all we know, this is. This is nothing. And he's going to go back to AEW in six months. That could be the truth. Who knows? But the, who knows? And that's the thing. We are at, we, we are in definitely uncharted waters in a way. It's weird. Okay. I want to be careful with how I say that because we are in very much chartered waters. We've been here before. But <laughs> I say that. Here's a perfect example, Ross. You and I were texting each, or messaging each other uh, late last week after the podcast. And, um, and you've said this multiple times on the podcast. So I'm not going to try and piggyback off of it and take credit for you. I'm going to give you all the credit in the world for it. But, you know, Tony Khan is having to reassemble his roster because we, he's reached a point where a lot of people have become free agents, you know, and he's going to go ahead and not re-sign some people and he's re-signing others, you know. Um, and one of those people who it looks like is not going to get re-signed, which came as a shocker, at least to me and probably to you, but then at the same time, not really, is Brian Cage. Right. Brian Cage is set to become a free agent very, very soon. I'm not talking like tomorrow, but in the next few months, if you take a look, Brian Cage hasn't been used at all on all elite wrestling TV over the last like four or five months. You know, the last time that he was on TV, I think it was sometime in October, Ross. Mm-hmm. He lost the FT, uh, the FTW championship to Ricky Starks and got kicked out of team Taz and hasn't, hasn't been on TV since. And I said to you, I was like, Ross, if I'm WWE, I'm calling Brian Cage. And then I also said to you, if I'm Brian Cage, I'm picking up that phone call. And I'm not talking about because, oh, now we're going to go ahead and see everybody defecting from one company to the other, like we saw in WCW and in WWF back in the late 90s, right? But I'm talking about a genuine name and the type of wrestler that could actually wrestle that Vince McMahon loves to have on his roster. Because Brian Cage is this freak genetic freak what is he ross 6'3 280 excuse me 280 on a good day i'd have to look it up but But it's ridiculous how large this man is and the fact of what he can do in the ring i'm not saying he's brock lesnar but if he ever had to go ahead and get somebody to be a similarity of the genetic freak athlete that is brock lesnar brian cage is one of those few people that could kind of be something like that except he's able to go ahead and do spanish flies like nobody's business right um and so we're starting to go ahead and see all of this and it makes me wonder and 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 let's take let's take it not being or being a work out for a second do you believe that 
Tony Khan thinks that he can now run this ship by himself and he doesn't need Cody Rhodes. It's possible. Um, but look, I mean, you know, Jericho's kind of been on and off with, with, with his stuff. Um, and then the Bucks have their own. Th- it's look, I don't, I don't need to get into all of that. AEW is totally fine with what they are doing. Well, here's the problem. The problem is eventually what's going to happen is they're going to get to the point where they're not going to grow and it's going to start showing up with how they're running their business. Because, yeah, it's great. You have an audience that, you know, loves the product. Yeah. But you're not growing the product. You have the same audience every Mm -hmm. single show. This is true. Cody Rhodes, to me, was one of the few people that was uh, crossing over into that mainstream. That is really hard to do. Yeah. Okay. So, look. uh, Not in AEW. Just the only guy in AEW that was actually doing that. Carry on. Sorry. I. Okay. I really don't want this to be a half hour discussion, but the stuff where Cody Rhodes is blatantly just trying to be Triple H, like, that's got to end. Like, it, it's just, it's, 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 it's just tiring. It's like, oh, okay. You got screwed over. You have a sledgehammer. You broke the throne. You have something to prove. Okay. You know how many people care? Zero. I think he proved it. You know, whatever he felt he needed to prove, I think he proved it. But yeah. By by doing what? Uh, um, By making AEW the legit number two wrestling promotion on the planet and... And I say he made it. I'm not giving him all the credit, but I'm giving him a large amount of credit. Um, and actually doing something like taking the idea that he had when he left the WWE back in late 2016, mid 2016, whenever that was, and then talked to the Bucks and talked to Omega and said, I have an idea. Okay. And here's ta- the idea. Okay. Here's the thing, though. Okay. Now, I know what the counter is going to be, so I'll just already put it out there. Why would you go back to a place that you hate? And the answer is Triple H doesn't have the influence he had five years ago. You're right. So now he's going back to the place where old man Vince has gained control again and things are better. How? Okay. I'll use this as an analogy. Okay. You're at your job. You hate your job. You hate your boss. You leave, and then you go back to the company you left five years later, and one of the people that's in charge that you didn't like is still there. Why would you do that? Well, I think the answer to that is that Cody Rhodes isn't the same Cody Rhodes when he left. Okay. Now, here's my rebuttal there. Who's to say that he immediately doesn't come back in 
sign a three-year contract and get buried for three years. Sure. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. Listen, I, I'm in a, I'm in this weird state of like, yo, this is crazy. What if he does, but then, oh my God, what if he does? And then, you know, because here's the thing. If Vince McMahon is one thing and one thing only, he is this a man who holds a grudge, unfortunately, for good or for worse. Well, he's also really good at making money, and he's also the standard bearer for pro wrestling as we know it yes. today. But no, continue. No, I know. But th- th- yes, everything you just said is not is 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 completely accurate. But he does hold a grudge. You know what I mean? Yes. He held he's held a grudge against Hulk Hogan. He held a grudge against Stone Cold, Randy Savage, Randy Savage, Bruno San Martino, Ric Flair. Um, sure, there are I, I get there it. are very few people who who Vince McMahon has never held a, gr- a, a grudge against. And hell, he's holding a grudge right now against his own son-in-law, his own son-in-law. He's holding a grudge against because he lost a war to AEW for two years. You know what I mean? So that's where it's scary to me. If Cody Rhodes says, you know what, Tony, you're not the only game in town. And I'm not the same guy from six years ago. I'm on a different level, which, by the way, he is. Cody Rhodes is on a different level now. Um, And him defecting back over to WWE would be cool, but it worries me of how Vince, you know, I don't want Vince to trick him. I really don't. I would, I, I, and, and maybe, maybe Nick Khan will have the influence over Vince and say, listen, if we're going to sign this guy, you treat him with the respect he's, he's, he's earned over these last few years, ever since he left this guy, same guy. This isn't, this isn't dusty son. This is a self-made promoter who whooped our little kids for two years straight to the point that we had to switch it up. Let's, let's show this man some respect. Um, but at the same time, here's the thing that that just blows my mind, Ross, that anything can happen in professional wrestling. Cody and Brandy leaving AEW is on the same NAM near level of if Trips and Steph were to walk out tomorrow. Like that's that's that is a that is a massive move for that company that is that young. And I'm not going to say they won't recover from it. But how do you replace Cody and how do you replace Brandy? Because remember, you know, on the outs, uh, behind the scenes, and I know you said you didn't want to turn this into a 30 minute discussion. We'll end it very, very soon. But she's the chief marketing officer or whatever the title was that they gave her in AEW. So, whatever um, relationships she was able to build for AEW with other brands, how do those get affected? I would say in a pretty major way, would you not? Um, well, Here's the thing. I'm sure there are other people that either worked with her or worked beside her, or there are other people that are working in that company that they believe are competent enough to do it. So as much as I don't want to minimize the situation, I will. Um, In basically every business, everyone's replaceable. Uh, Also, I'll tell you right now, on camera, both of them extremely replaceable. Brandy, yes. Cody, not as replaceable as I think you're making him seem, but that's fair. That's a whole dis- that's a okay. discussion for a different day. Okay. When you have go-away heat, you are replaceable. 
you're going to hate me for saying this, Ross. I might hate myself for thinking this and saying it, to be honest with you. I don't care because it's my it's my thoughts. I think Cody Rhodes was the closest thing that we've seen to John Cena since John Cena in AEW. Uh, I know, I know, I know. What? Why are you comparing these two? Because every single time he'd walk out, he'd get booed. People didn't want him to go ahead and be what he was being. Then he would cut a promo of a lifetime. And then two minutes later, the whole crowd was chanting his name. And on top of that, he was putting on banger after banger after banger after banger. The fact that he he's leaving on his own terms after he just put on one of the best matches All Elite Wrestling has ever put on in their very short but very strong three-year history speaks volumes to the type of person that Cody Rhodes is and the type of performer that Cody Rhodes is. And yes, I understand that he was in the ring with one of the best in-ring talents on the planet today in Sammy Guevara, but it takes two to tango. And there's absolutely no way that anybody else not named Cody Rhodes would have gotten what he was able to get out of Sammy Guevara three weeks ago, whenever that match was. And that includes people like Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, Chris Jericho, name it. I will still put Cody Rhodes on, on that level. That, that's how much respect and admiration I've gained for Cody Rhodes in the last four or five years. But that's just me. People, can, people are allowed to disagree with me. They want to say that I'm putting Cody Rhodes on too high of a plateau. That's fine. You're allowed. To, you're entitled to that because other people might say, oh, well, what about Roman Reigns? Yeah, maybe. Roman Reigns, though, didn't leave WWE. So WWE didn't get shook, shaken in the same way that Cody leaving AEW just shook the whole planet. So that's what I got to say. Okay. Well, whatever he decides to do, I hope it works out for him. I just have a very bad feeling that he thinks he's bigger than he actually is. So we'll see. Uh, but that is monumental news, and we'll find out whatever happens. So there we go. Um, hold on. Thought I lost something here, and I didn't. That's good. Okay. Um, Monday Night Raw. Oh, boy. Well, I'll just say this right now. Uh, there is a reason why I do not watch Monday Night Raw and I just catch the highlights. And last night is a perfect example of that because you see there was not great wrestling and the problem is that yes, there were, there were some important things that came out of that show, which I can't say about every Monday Night Raw. So I will at least give the due that at least something came out of it. However, and this is another problem that I really do not need to get into a diatribe about, but this is the problem. This is the biggest problem with the Saudi shows, okay? Yes, the Saudi shows are special event pay-per-views for WWE or whatever the formal term for it is. Premium live events, if I'm not mistaken, is now the new term. Whatever. That sounds like corporate jargon BS right there. Okay. I've said numerous times that I wish the Elimination Chamber was not a pay-per-view and it was a special match that they would pull out occasionally 
not every year, but when it was actually warranted for a situation, which, by the way, it used to be before they turned every special match into a pay-per-view. Remember when there was a pay-per-view called Fatal 4-Way? You don't? I'm reminding you of it now. Oh, I totally remember. But I, it just... Anyway. So, um, let's see here. Uh, the Oh, yeah, I forgot. Ziggler and Rude lost a match. I forgot about that. Um, Bianca won the gauntlet match, yes? Uh, that is accurate. She is going to be the last entrant into the women's elimination chamber match for the number one contendership to the Raw Women's Settle. Okay, so question about mm. that. Okay, mm-hmm. now, I understand that, actually, it's not hyperbole. She is the biggest baby face they have, yes? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Um, unless you want to, unless, you know, unless you want to say Lita, but as a, a, a mainstream, no, no. not mainstream, excuse me, but uh, full-time? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. So how many heel, or what's the heel babyface ratio for the women's elimination chamber match right now? All right, let's name off the competitors. So you've got Bianca, you got Rhea, who went 45 minutes deep last night. Shout out to her. That was incredible. Oh, also, um, I'm sorry. <clears throat> um. Was that just to determine who went last, or was that to determine the order? No, that was to determine who went in last. Okay. Very similar to 2019 when Kofi uh, went like an hour. Okay. So, um, okay. So, uh, as I was saying, Rhea, uh, Bianca is a baby face. Um, Dewdrop's a heel. Um, yes. Liv Morgan is a baby face, so that would make three. Okay. Um, who else is in the match? Um, um, uh, Nikki Ash is a, is a heel. And then um, is is a with this new gimmick is Alexa a babyface or is she a heel? I don't know yet. Um, the last time we saw her with Lily when she had her match against Charlotte back at Extreme Rules, she mm-hmm. was by default the babyface. And judging by the reaction that she got last night on Monday Night Raw, I would say that by default she's once more a babyface. Okay, so Liv, Rhea, Bianca, Dewdrop, Nikki Ash, Alexa Bliss. Okay, correct. So if Bianca is last, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I would have Alexa in a pod as well. Yeah. I would probably... I'm trying to decide who I want starting the match. If you want to really start off the match with heat, not heat, but like with fast pace, you know what? Why not do Rio? I know this would suck because people are going to be like, oh, well, Rio went 45. How do you blah, blah, blah. But... You want story, right? You want fast-paced action. You want good wrestling. I People might be like, Jorge, you're an idiot. But I think it would make sense to go ahead and start the match with Rhea and Nikki. I mean, there is a rivalry that's already there. They yes. are a partnership that broke up. There is, quote-unquote, hatred between Rhea and Nikki. Um, Nikki Have- wants to destroy everything that Rhea stands for right now because, you know, she turned heel and she also, you know, she got embarrassed by her at the, at the Rumble. I would. That's how I'd book it. Okay. And it gives you good quality wrestling between two of the better female performers on the roster. Yeah, and 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 you have to have somebody in a lot of these matches, you have to have somebody that can basically carry the first part of the match. So if you're saying Rhea's going to have to carry the first part of the match, 
that or means, Nikki. No, it'll it'll probably have to be Rhea, which means that probably Dewdrop would be in next. And another then, person who can hold it together. And then probably live. Mm-hmm. Then Alexa. And then you bring in Bianca finished. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I'd be okay with that. Okay. So at least so at least there was something on the show that had purpose. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there was the Brock Lesnar segment. <laughs> so Brock Lesnar, dude. Yeah. Brock Lesnar. Let me, oh my god. Okay. Man, the man's just been on fire. All right. So uh Mountain Man Babyface Brock Lesnar is incredible. Um Cowboy Hat Mountain Man Brock. They they they, they did what they were going to okay. They were going to do the turn at day one. Roman got sick, so they had to pivot and do what they did, and then they did the turn at the rumble instead of at day one. Yeah. That's why all of that happened. It had to make sense. And then uh, Brock is in the chamber match for the title. So Bobby not only has to fight Brock again, but he has to fight four other guys too. And Bobby Lashley is not fitted to be a baby face. How? I don't know. But that being said, the MVP pairings too good. Um, so uh, it, it was it was Austin Theory, right? Uh, that did what? I know that he was in the segment, obviously. Yeah, that's that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean. Oh, so yeah. Well, Austin Theory did go to Suplex City last night. If that's what you're getting at, okay, very much so. Okay. And and then Brock got a selfie, which was great. <laughs> so uh, first of all, um, it, if you get taken to Suplex City. I'm going to say you're a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he Slater has gone to, to and, and I'm not joking when I say this, there's a reason when, when you're in a segment with Brock is what Ross is getting at. When you're in a segment with Brock, you are viewed very well in the back. So our truth in the, in, in last, in the 2020 segment, which is iconic. Mm-hmm. And then of course the, I don't give a bleep about your kid segment with he Slater. That was iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Miz has gone to Suplex City. There was a reason why he went to Suplex City. He's he was the top heel. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Austin Theory. Listen, we've talked about it multiple times. Austin Theory is on Mr. McMahon's good person list right now. He's getting the push of a lifetime. Um, I mean, not quite in the sense of he's going to be a champion anytime soon, but I mean, he is he, every segment that Austin Theory has been in for the last month, if he is not in a match. He has been in a segment with Vincent Kennedy McMahon on TV. All right. So uh, does Austin Theory get one elimination at the Elimination Chamber match? I wouldn't be surprised if he got two, Ross. Wow. I'll tell you this right wow. now. Okay. So Ray, Ray, So the, the competitors for the match are uh, Austin Theory, of course, Rollins, Brock, Bobby. Um, KO. K- no, no, Kale's not in the match. It's uh, Riddle and oh, uh, right. Rollins. Yeah, right. Said, yeah, we said Rollins uh, twice. So I did. I, oh, I did. Oh, Ray, isn't it Ray? Um, it, no, Ray's no, not in the match. Ray's not in the match. Son no. of a gun. I apologize. I, it's I have Bobby, Brock, Rollins, Theory, Riddle, and AJ. AJ, sorry. So if I, I'll tell you this right now, man. 
Austin Theory will. I think Austin Theory eliminates Riddle. Either actually no, I think Austin Theory either eliminates Riddle or Styles, and it pains me to say that. Okay, last question I have for you on Chamber. Yeah, the very last one. Does Dominic turn on his dad at this pay per view? Why not? Why not? I mean, this I this mean, has been something that they have been building towards for well, a very long time. Well, and plus, this is a very... I can't believe I'm going to say this. This setup is very much out of the playbook of an Eddie Swerve. What I mean by that is everything's been publicly like, oh, like... The Miz and Maurice, they're totally minimizing Ray and Dominic Mysterio and Ray's yeah. having to kind of bail out his son out of a couple of situations and like the and whole comment about in... his hair looking like him and all that other stuff. Who's to say it's not a swerve and he and Miz end up kind of making this like little powered unit thing for a while. Would not, I, I would be all for it, first of all, because, you know, I'm a big fan of Dominic uh, Mysterio and I and I would like for him to go ahead and see to continue to progress as a performer and whatnot. I'd be OK with this. Not to mention, you got to go back to late in 2021, Ross, because how many times did Dominic accidentally cost him and Ray matches? Multitude of times. Multitude. And so there's a, obviously a storyline of frustration, perhaps building in Dominic and perhaps a, a, a frustration building inside of Ray that he's not getting to Dominic. Um, you, they can make stuff happen, man. They could really make stuff happen. If, if I'll tell you this right now. I think I think Miz is going to beat Ray. And if they don't do the, if they don't do the turn in Jeddah, they do it the following night on the following Monday night. Could be. I think. I think having Ray versus Dominic at WrestleMania could be a card-worthy match. I really do. Uh, I we'll see. Um, here's so here's what I will say just to close out this portion of the show. Um, I will not be watching this live. I will be very interested to see what happens coming out of this show because, of course, this is the last pay-per-view before wrestlemania yep well we have so, stand and deliver but yeah yeah uh, okay yeah. i know it okay. doesn't count no it doesn't i don't even know why you brought that up but whatever just because it was on wikipedia good because it's nxt which is a brand that really doesn't matter now so but yes it is the last it is the last pay-per-view before wrestlemania yeah um look uh, I am very interested to see who they have be champions coming out of that pay-per-view. Me too. Me too. Especially the men's elimination chamber. I'm really interested to see who they, obviously that's very interesting to me. Um, I mean, if you're not interested in that, that's the being the main event, then obviously you're just well, don't well, care. Well, it's back to if Brock wins, mm-hmm. then it's either champion versus champion, or they have to backdoor their way into making it a triple threat in which like, one guy gets pinned. So even though both titles are on the line, it's this whole quagmire they'd have to get themselves out of by doing that. Right. Um, or are they doing champion versus champion and then we're going to unify the titles? Which I don't want them to do. I I get it. But if it's back to, you know, uh, again, I don't know what their plan is. 
Mm -hmm. So as soon as this pay-per-view is done, perhaps we will have an idea of what a potential plan is. Yeah, I agree. I'm also very interested in the in the winner of the women's number one contendership in the in the elimination chamber match. I'm I'm very very curious who they're going to give the you know who they're going to give the Becky match to. Are they going to go ahead and finish the Bianca Becky story? you know, bring that back full circle or are they going to take advantage of the fact that people are hyped up to see um, Alexa back? Um, Are they going to, I don't know. Are they going to pull a swerve and actually give it to Liv and actually have it be at WrestleMania? I doubt it as much as I like Liv Morgan. Everybody knows that, but I, I, I doubt it. I think the two favorites in that match, Ross, they're either Bianca or Alexa and it'll be very interesting. Um, And, Goldberg and Roman is going to sure. Yeah. Roman's going to Goldberg Goldberg. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever the hell that means, but yeah, I don't know what that means, but that being said, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm again, I'm at least intrigued as to see what happens because I have an idea of what should happen. But as I always say on this show, when it comes to the WWE specifically, I don't care what the plan is. As long as you have a plan and it makes sense. Yeah. Or even if it doesn't make sense, you have a plan to make it make sense. Yeah. Which I realize is a self-fulfilling prophecy of, well, the WWE doesn't do logic and blah, blah, blah. You picked against Goldberg in Saudi Arabia and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I but there is it. logic to the Goldberg pick, though. But yeah, <sighs> let's. Yeah, I, I. Anyway, no, I'm just saying that was supposed to be the match that we got at WrestleMania 36, and we're finally getting it now. So it's like, okay, that that I mean, there's somewhat some logic there, whether or not it's logical to have Goldberg in this situation or even to have him in the situation in 2020 is a whole different story. But they have brought that up that they were supposed to have this match back in mid 2020. COVID hit, Roman wasn't there, and now they're doing it. So there is some logic to that. Um, I don't know. So uh, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, I'm 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 with you on the bandwagon of there needs to be logic, and WWE is so somewhat showing it to us as we're on the road to WrestleMania, and and it's up to them. It is up to them as a company and as a booking team to fulfill the logicness and actually put forth good storytelling and making the storytelling make sense, whether or not people like. Okay. So. (laughs) Okay. Full disclosure, right? This is, this has been a, this has been a point of contention on this show. So Jorge, I, in last year's picks, we tied. So he didn't have to cover WCW 2000, and I didn't have to make a TikTok video or a TikTok account and make videos and make myself look like an ass. So I was so pissed that I didn't win when I should have that I decided that I was going to cover WCW 2000, which, by the way, I have watched a bunch of times. And even... I, I even listened back because I was I was listening back to the show where we did the underrated gems of the 2010s 
And I believe that was like episode 113 or something. If you want to go back and check that out at some point. I'll tell you right now. Carry on. It's either 113 or 115. It was one of the two. Mm-hmm. I, look, that was that was over that was over a year and a half ago, people. Yeah. And I had just finished recently going through every Nitro and every pay-per-view from the Nitro after Hogan turned heel until the close of WCW in 2001. So that being said, I made it a point of contention because I'm a stubborn, well, I'm stubborn, that I was still going to cover 2000 because I love it and I can go into detail. And, and Episode just, 113, know. well done, Ross. Oh, well there done. you go. See, that's what happens. By the way, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the rest, check us out there. The Double Turn. It's under podcast wrestling. Wabamentertainment.com, still the only wrestling content there because we're awesome. There you go. There's my Miz for you. Even though I would used to say he's awful and still do. And, and you and you used to hate Brock Lesnar. How the world turns. It's amazing what happens when you actually book him to not be a champion where he wrestles four times a year and high and uh, has a belt for 600 days and holds it hostage. It's amazing what happens. So that being said, uh, I have not been able to cover WCW 2000 for multiple weeks. And so I told Jorge, I was like, yeah, I'm like a month behind and I'm not going to forget about it. So I challenged him to watch one episode, one, and I was going to get his genuine reaction to it. I actually, did you challenge me or did I say that I was just going to do it? Oh, no. I said I was going to cover it and you were like, all right, I guess I'll watch them to make sure I could actually, uh. Yeah, respond. that's true. That's how. Okay, cool, right. cool. Yeah, so that, that was so, so that was kind of my way of challenging you to watch an episode. Yeah. Um. When did All we right. have this conversation? Last night. Yeah. 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 Remember, I was still in very a, a very dark place yesterday. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, just a very small background for you before we go into the January twenty fourth edition of WCW two thousand, which I will give the very brief background. But basically. Uh, this is the time period where Kevin, where Kevin Sullivan is booking because Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara, who were brought in to fix the WW or the, the WCW, were then kicked to the curb within three months. Kevin Sullivan took over. Uh, I believe they changed the title three times in the first month because Bret Hart was the champion. He had to relinquish it. And then they had three other people win the belt before the end of January. Just to give you that timeline, because uh, Kevin Nash was the champion, Sid Vicious was the champion, and Chris Benoit was the champion. This was right before Chris Benoit left for the WWF. Mm -hmm. So that's just to give you the broad scope of what's going on. Like Terry Funk was back. Arn Anderson was back. Um, the NWO 2000 with like Scott Hall and Scott Steiner and Jeff Jarrett and Kevin Nash. That was a thing. The Harris brothers were in the NWO. That was a thing. It was really, really, really bizarre. Okay. Really bizarre. And we haven't even gotten back to when Russo and Bischoff come back in April of 2000. This is January. So this is the January 24th edition from the Staples Center 
which is no longer called the Staples Center. It's called some crypto BS. I don't care. It's the crypto.com arena. Okay, great. You know what? It'll always be the Staples Center. It's always going to be stable. Yeah, it's so so crazy, but they were like, we're in the brand new Staples Center. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. It opened, what, late 99? Yeah. Okay. So uh, before we go, because Jorge uh, admitted to me, admitted to me openly on this well he will here in a second he openly admitted to me there was something enjoyable about an edition of wcw nitro from 2000 and, I was, <laughs> and so in the back of my mind i was like there's no way this is possible like he rags on me for making fun of this era and loving it because it's so bad there's yeah. no way there's anything he likes and then i was like let's channel jorge and see exactly what i think he would like and then he sure. told me even though he's going to say it again. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me because it's what they were clamoring for for two years. It's what they were clamoring for for decades in the WWE. It's what they're clamoring for in pretty much every promotion in pro wrestling. And it's why parts of pro wrestling are in the toilet that they are now. So for me and for this audience, please tell me (laughs) what actually gave you (laughs) what actually brought you joy on this edition of wcw nitro 2000 from january 24th i i i'm gonna be completely honest with you and i I, i'm I'm not joking when i say this i genuinely enjoyed the chemistry between tony Schiavone, mike tenay and bobby the brain heenan i really did um what i found so interesting about it ross was there was so it was very different to JR and the King, like really different to JR and the King and almost not a detriment to JR and the King. Cause I think that they're still the icon. They're still the standard bearers, but I think that because I've been so enamored with what was JR and the King, what was Michael Cole and Taz for a long time. I know that you've always said that you like Michael Cole and JBL a little bit better, but I've always been a Cole and Taz guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate Tony Schiavone as much as I should have and have started to reappreciate him now that he's in AEW. He's, he's the lead commentator for the most part. No, yeah, he is very much the lead commentator in AEW, but I'm seeing him in AEW and I didn't pay attention to him in his prime in WCW. Mm. And it's so different to what is JR. There's almost um, a real life calling of the game type scenario that Tony Schiavone brought that I was watching last night. And I was like, well, that Tony Schiavone sure as hell calls Monday Nitro different than JR used to call Raw as war. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was almost like JR and the King were not let loose. Not That's not the word that I'm looking for, nor is it the phrase. But it's as if they were giving a lot more freedom. And I'm not saying that Schiavone wasn't given the freedom. I'm sure he was. But he was very direct. He was very like calling a calling a professional a game almost in a way. And it was a, a, a likable quality. And then to also see somebody who is just as for excuse me, just as formidable as he was in Mike Tanay. And I would have thought that that would have clashed, Ross. I really did. I would have thought that that would have clashed. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's too much. No, they gelled really, really great together. And Bobby the Brain would give his 
tidbits here and there. And I was like, this three-man booth isn't horrible. All right. So it was an enjoyable thing to be able to watch in a for the most part. And I, I got more thoughts, and I know you'll let me talk about it. So I'll just end it right there and then give you other thoughts later. Okay. So here's here's how I would tell anybody to approach listening to a WCW broadcast. Think of it like you're watching a three-man booth call a baseball game. Okay. Now I I'm not going to get into the minutia of people thinking baseball's boring and all that stuff. That's fine. That's your opinion. I love it. And this is the analogy I'm going to use. Okay. So you have Tony Schiavone, who, by the way, does baseball play by play. So it's, it's, it's very evident that that's the style. That doesn't surprise me at all. I actually did not know that. And I'm so glad you said it because everything about last night's viewing of Monday Nitro makes more sense than it should have. Okay. So in baseball play-by-play, you do the analysis and then there's a lot of downtime where you can still be knowledgeable and still talk about the game where it's not, you're just calling the action. You're calling everything around it too. Then you throw in Mike Tanay who might be the most knowledgeable color commentator in the history of professional wrestling because of all the knowledge he had with a lot of the Mexican wrestling, the luchadors, a lot of the Japanese wrestling before it was, you know, more mainstream as it is now. Like he was the encyclopedia. He was the professor. He was the guy that had all the information. Oh, we don't know anything about this guy. Why don't you tell us? And Mike Tanay would just have the info. And then you put in, and then you put in Heenan, who of course is uh, one of, if not the greatest manager of all time. And he would kind of go in between being like the heel announcer or like just the over the top, you know, kind of irritating babyface third voice where he wasn't totally taking over the broadcast, but he was still being Bobby the Brain Heenan. And yes. The chemistry between those three is actually very, very good. Now, I'll say this point also very quickly, because as the years went on, you know, Heenan kind of got lost in the shuffle and he felt like he wasn't as respected as he should have been in years past. And he kind of faded out and it it, it really showed in his performance in the later years. And the other dumb thing they tried to do is they tried to make Mike Tanay a play-by-play guy. And the problem with that is when you have a guy that's look, if you're really good at a job and then you put somebody in another job that they're not as good at, why would you do that? Now, I realize Mike Tanay probably wanted to do play by play, but the problem is if you put Mike Tanay in a play by play role, you almost have to put somebody in a color role that can kind of rein in Mike Tanay from just being Mike Tanay. So why would you put Mike Tanay in a, in a situation where he's not as good, which is why Tony Schiavone is so great and is so underappreciated because mm-hmm. he's so good at doing play-by-play because he had done it for so long. The stylizing was there. He was always a good hype man. He always knew when to, when to bring it back to center. He always knew you know how to appropriately hype up everything on the show and when he couldn't do it he had two other guys to help him do it 
And it's so right that you say that because you're kind of see that now in all elite wrestling, right? Because it's, it's, it's very, it's very noticeable that Jr. Isn't the same Jr. that he was of 20 years ago. Bell's palsy has done a number on him and that's not his fault. You know, his health has declined. He's still good, but he's not the great Jr. from 98, 99, 2000, 01, you know, prime Jr. Shivani still has it, man. Shivani still has it, and, and, and it's very noticeable on AEW broadcasting um, because it, to the point where I used to think Excalibur ran, you know, that the, the, the was the play-by-play for AEW, but it's I've been wrong this entire time, Ross. It, it's very much Shivani that's play-by-play on AEW Dynamite. And to be honest, I, I prefer it that way. I like Excalibur, but I've grown to really re-love Tony Schiavone. And seeing him do his thing last night on Nitro, I was like, man, I never gave that dude his respect or his due because I was so enamored. And for good reason, with WWF in 2000. Now, that was one of the positives that I saw last night. Another positive, even though it had a very large negative, was the opening cruiserweight cha- uh, the cruiserweight match in the eight person cruiserweight <laughs> tournament that they were doing? Um, okay, okay. Go ahead. Full disclosure: they had a cruiserweight invitational because Ray got hurt. Ray was the champion, so they had this. So they so so this was one of the matches in that tournament. Mm-hmm. He's it was talking opening match in the tournament. He, he's <laughs> talking about psychosis and Kaz Hayashi. Yes. Okay. Full <laughs> the di- match itself isn't terrible. Okay. Full disclosure. Okay. I absolutely hated psychosis matches. I hated them. And by the way, to an even lesser extent. I could not watch Hoobie during this time. I, 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 I couldn't. And then, and then they paired them together because why not? Now, okay. uh, now hold on. Was, sure. was, was psychosis still wrestling with his mask or had, was he maskless? He was maskless in this match. Okay. That was also during the time when, uh, I think it was Chris Jericho was demasking everybody. And the last guy that kept his mask was Rey Mysterio, and then that got unmasked. Right. Um, okay, so 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 tell me what you liked about Psychosis and Kaz Hayashi because I knew this was going to be the match you picked, and I'm going to launch off of it because I knew you were going to pick the cruiserweight match, which, by the way, was loved and adored during WCW during this time. And I'm not hating on the division. I'm not hating on the actual concept and the influence that it had on pro wrestling, but I do have a major gripe with the fact sure. that people blindly love all of these matches, but go ahead. I don't want to let me be very, be very clear. I do not love this match by any stretch of the imagination. This match went less than 10 minutes. I thought that it, here's the thing. I'm going to okay. You want to hear a negative right now for a cruiserweight match? This match was incredibly slow paced. 
incredibly slow paced. And I don't know if that was because of Hayashi or because of psychosis. I, I, actually, no. The answer is because of psychosis because he was playing the heel in this match and he was slowing it down. And, they, and Mike Tanay and, and Shivani and, and Heenan mentioned that on the broadcast. They're like, yeah, he's really slowing it down. This isn't usually his style. Go ahead. You want to say something? And also, um, that was another thing that was very cool about the cruiserweight division in WCW. Mm-hmm. Yes, everybody could do high-flying stuff. Everybody. Yes. Um, maybe not Kaz Hayashi at this point, but that's okay because that made him different. Yeah. Um, this was also during the time when they were pushing Prince Iakea, which which he was doing the actual Prince gimmick of mm. the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. Don't ask. Mm. But it it showed the styles clashes. Yes. That were evident in a division that was which so very different international. from everything else. Right. And was so different from everything else on the show. Continue. No problem. And by the way, you you mentioned Chris Jericho. I I started the first 15 minutes of the following Nitro, which would have been the the February 1st edition of there. And there's a the set they opened. I'll get back to the Hayashi and psychosis in a second. But I just wanted to go ahead and mention this because you mentioned Chris Jericho. They have a 15 minute promo of Jeff Jarrett talking about him becoming the number one contender to Sid Vicious, give three craps. <laughs> but uh, Evan Courageous from Three Count, which was great, um, has a match with, I, I don't know his name, I can't remember, but a young man who is ace. It, the only way that I can say this, Ross, is he's very much a ripoff of Chris Jericho in WWF. He's got the sparkly oh, shirt. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, the, that, the beard, is, that, is, yeah. Uh, that is Lenny Lane. Thank you. Yeah, very much. And he's got the short hair that Jericho would later have in a few years' time. But you could absolutely tell his gimmick was ripping off Jericho as best as he possibly could. And it was very, very noticeable. And I'm not going to say annoying because I didn't watch the match, but I was just like, well, I know what they're trying to do. That was back when it was Lenny Lane. They paired Lodi from the flock. They were Lenny and Lodi. They were the West Hollywood Blondes. They were Team Excess. Um, there was a gimmick where they were... Okay, again, this is not me being crude. This is the gimmick, okay? The gimmick was they were acting homosexual, but they weren't homosexual. They were brothers, but they weren't brothers. It was very confusing. That again... Sounds- idiotic no, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just telling you that was no, the no, gimmick that's all i know no the, the, the gimmick sounds very much idiotic back to psychosis and uh hayashi yeah, yeah. Uh, um it was a very slowly paced match on behalf of psychosis's side hayashi picked it up you're right he wasn't very high flying he was very technical very grounded but still very quick um and that was for the most part a positive ish um Juventud Guerrera talking about a ripoff, literally word for word, taking the rocks lines and using them openly on a microphone on a Monday Nitro broadcast. Yeah. So I can tell you right now, there's one person responsible for that. And he was not even working for the company at this time. And his name is Vince Russo. That is not surprising whatsoever. And I know the reason why they did that because I believe there's a promo when The Rock is in the corporation as WWF champion. 
and he takes a very, very strong jab at Juventud Guerrero on a Monday Night Raw broadcast. And I can only imagine that Juventud Guerrero did not take very kindly to that two years prior. That being said, he literally was saying things of, if you smell what Hoovy is cooking, uh, he would call himself the Hoovy, uh, the millions and millions of Hoovy's fans. He also, at this point, was calling himself the Juice. The Juice, that's what it was. I'm sorry, what the he, Juice is cooking, not the Hoovy. He also wanted to be the Juicer weight champion. <laughs> oh, my God, that's terrible. Uh, um, he wanted everybody to feel juicy. Um, I don't know if he at some point called his finisher the Juicy Driver. But I know it was the Hoovy driver for a long time, and I'm sure there was a thing. There was also a point uh, not too long later where he tried to do a Hoovy driver on Kevin Nash. It failed. <laughs> I can imagine that. Okay, very much so. so Psychosis Kaz Hayashi, uh, it was slow-paced, uh, but you liked the actual wrestling in the match that didn't really tell any story. Yes? Unfortunately, yeah. Okay. Uh, did you enjoy Mike Tanay calling all of the moves that had weird names? Yes. Okay. That, that, and, that, was, very um, that was very good. Did, did Psychosis win? Yes. Psychosis did win. Okay. Full disclosure. Uh, Psychosis got hurt. They reinserted Kaz Hayashi in the tournament. Oh, really? Does that happen afterwards? That's to, to take that the place of Psychosis. Okay. So. So Kaz lost the match, and then he took his he took the guy who beat him, he took his place in the tournament. Not sure how that makes sense booking wise, but whatever. Uh, again, it's back to you have X amount of cruiserweights, one guy gets hurt, you have to adjust. Sure. Don't really okay. know what else to tell you. That's fine. Um, okay. Okay. Um all right. Now I want your 30 second analysis of Tank Abbott. Um, okay all right you know what here's another positive that was a very good knockout uh, wrestling knockout punch so let me let me be very clear the big show used wmd for a very long time or the ko punch or the ko punch yes he used to call it the weapon of mass destruction and clearly right called it the ko for obvious reasons um I thought it was okay. It was fine. It was finally well done. You could tell that by the camera angles that he purposely punched underneath the jaw. Mm-hmm. You kind of punched him around the um, the chin area where he passed through that. And it was very well done. Unfortunately, they showed too many replays. And at one point, you were like, oh, come on, guys. You guys just ruined the magic. You know what I mean? All right. So, all right. Full disclosure. Uh, Tank Abbott was brought in yeah he was a pit fighter but he did fight for the ufc and he got disqualified a bunch and that's why he didn't he he stopped performing for them because he was basically being an illegal fighter in ufc um he ended up fighting a random dude named big al in a skins match in which there was a leather biker jacket on a pole. And one of the moves in the match was Big Al literally standing on his face with cowboy boots. 
fun. Like, actually, both feet on his face. Also, mind you, that character, Tank Abbott, would wrestle Sid Vicious for the world title. And lose. That is and lose. And there was a selection of WCW that wanted Tank Abbott to be the world champion. That doesn't come to me as a surprise whatsoever, though. Okay. So, um, yeah, that is that is Tank Abbott. Yeah. And they tried to go ahead and have this guy who was his bodyguard back in the UFC all of a sudden say that he was a sellout and Bobby yeah. the Brain Heenan had to interview him. And I was like, what is the point of this? Nobody. I didn't know. No, literally. I just told you they yeah. set up they set up a pay-per-view match over over that feud. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's the guy you're talking about. I see. Okay. I apologize. Yep. yep. Wow. Yep. That uh, you want a 30 second analysis. Mm-hmm. Wow. For 30 seconds. Okay. That's, that's the analysis. Um, let's see. What else did I want to talk? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want your separate thoughts on Billy Kidman and Vampiro. <sighs> this match needed time, dude. And they didn't give it to them. Okay. Um, and I felt like they've, you know, cause Billy Kidman, of course, another, you know, cruiserweight legend, Vampiro, a cruiserweight legend. I don't know, man. I watched this match. I felt like they really were forced to hold back. I don't know if they were felt forced to hold back because of time constraints or whatever it was, but this match didn't deliver in any way, shape or form. Like you would have thought to yourself, if you're watching this in 2000, you're watching Kidman, by the way, which didn't make any sense. I was like, why did you, why did you take away Billy? You know, whatever. Um, who who was with Tori Wilson, by the way? Um, Tori Wilson still looks exactly the same 22 years later. It's unbelievable. Um, but Vampiro and him, I would have thought that they would have really brought the house down. Like, here, here's he here's an overall criticism of this particular broadcast, and I'll get back to that. It was a it was not a te- it wasn't a bad Monday Nitro. It, it really wasn't. Ross, it was just flat. It's boring. Okay, so, which we'll get to that, but um, did you like the characters of Kidman and Vampiro? Did you believe these two guys were like people you need to be paying attention to in the year 2000? Or did they just feel like other guys, just regular guys on the roster? They felt like regular guys on the roster. Okay. That's what they felt like. There was like, there was no build around them. There was no aura. Okay. So, um, Billy Kidman Mm -hmm. was a guy that had been with WCW for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he saw other small guys get pushed to a certain level. This being the guys that ended up leaving for the other company. That being Benoit, Benoit, Saturn, Malenko, and Eddie. And we thought Shane Douglas was going back, and then he ended up staying. But you see what happens to those guys. And then, like, obviously, you know, Ray got to a certain point as well. But, like, there was always this limit for smaller guys. Yeah. And three months from this point, he ends up feuding with Hulk Hogan. So, and by the way, <clears throat> Vampiro was a major star in Mexico. Like everybody talks about Conan being a major star in Mexico. You can tell Vampiro had a massive following. So 
the, the interesting is I remember Vampire and I remember Billy Kidman back in the day. And mm-hmm. first things first, I like Billy Kidman. You know, it's interesting that he would say that he was noticing other guys that were his size get pushed above him and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Billy Kidman can go, but Billy Kidman is not Eddie Guerrero. Billy Kidman is definitely not Chris Benoit. He's damn sure not Dean Malenko. And I can't remember how great Perry Saturn was as a wrestler, but Perry, Perry Saturn, Saturn was a pretty good like, wrestler. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I know that. I just can't remember if he was like Eddie and Benoit's level of wrestling. But my point is that Perry Saturn also had a style that Billy Kidman did not. And it was like this stand, like, you know, he was quick, but he also had like this stand up fight, you know, a lot of kicks in his repertoire and things of that nature. And just Billy Kidman wasn't to me, was not anywhere near on the level of those four guys that were just mentioned. Kidman had one thing that made him special. The shooting star press shooting star press, which is a fantastic finisher, but guess what? Neville, AKA pack, does a corkscrew shooting star press and also does a wide variety of way cool things. Right. But again, this is, but remember this is, this is 2000. True. Okay. Like late nineties, 2000, not a lot of guys were doing that move. No, no, not at all. You're absolutely right. And the fact is that they ended up turning that character heel. Bad decision. Uh, And then of course, Vampiro who, was has based. all the makings of a star, by the way, like and cool tattoos, cool hair, face paint. You know, he's a, he, he looks like a Latino sting. That's the best way to okay. look at it. So what's very funny is they ended up having him feud with sting in a few months. And then they promptly had him lose to sting like a bunch of times is, is really fascinating anyway. So I only mentioned those two because those two are considered up and coming stars of this company and look at where they're at in the early part of 2000 and then they were just rushed into being guys that they either weren't ready for or they were just packaged weird all right so um forgive me because i do remember this time period but i don't remember certain details so if i remember correctly uh the title was vacated so Sid Vicious had to wrestle the Harris brothers. Right. Well, and actually, then, he was originally supposed to, to wrestle Jared, but Jared was not cleared per Kevin Nash. Right. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, correct. Because Jared and Vicious had been feuding. Correct. Okay. And, and Jared was still the U.S. champion at this time, which that's a whole other thing where he held the U.S. title and barely defended it. And then... Sounds like anyway, Dean Ambrose. That sounds like most of the U.S. champions. Um... So he's supposed to face Jarrett. That didn't happen. So Nash, who I believe was the commissioner because he had beaten Terry Funk at sold out for the commissionership, uh, made a match where Sid Vicious had to beat the Harris brothers in order to face Kevin Nash for the vacant world title at the end of the night. Yes, that's right. Okay. So he pinned Don Harris And then he wrestled Kevin Nash. Jarrett came out at the end of that match, missed with a guitar shot. Vicious hit Kevin Nash with the guitar. And then he won the title. Correct. Yes. And Kevin Nash earlier in the, uh, he cut a promo before the match started saying that he was outlawing the power bomb and that if 
Sid Vicious were to hit the powerbomb on Kevin Nash, he would automatically be disqualified and Kevin Nash would become the WCW champion. Okay. So now just to give you further analysis, okay, because of the fallout of the show, because this felt like the end of one part of the journey for Sid Vicious, because like he had tried to be the champion. He had lost to Benoit and then Benoit dropped it. And like, it was this whole thing because Benoit was leaving the company, but they still booked him to win the match. And then like they, they put Nash in the middle of this and it was a mess, like an absolute mess. So they made the best out of it that they could. So they had Sid Vicious win the title. Okay. Sid's your guy, the millennium man. That was his nickname during this time. He was going to lead the WCW into the next millennium and help fight the NWL. And what do they do one week later? Kevin Nash comes out and says, or actually, no, I think it was only two days later. I think it was on Thunder. 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 He comes out and says, actually, you pinned the wrong Harris brother. I'm stripping you of the title and giving it to myself because the match at the end of Nitro didn't happen. And now you're going to have to face me and the Harris brother you didn't beat in a steel cage match. Now, now, again, okay, heel commissioner, shenanigans. Okay, you want a big moment where Sid beats you? Oh, and then, of course, the stipulation was he had to beat Nash in the steel cage. He couldn't beat Ron Harris. They couldn't just end the feud. (laughs) (laughs) they they couldn't because then what ends up happening is the nwo blows up because scott hall gets hurt again and like it's just a disaster so they had Jarrett and nash feud it was this whole thing so sid would actually hold the title until april when they stripped everybody of the titles so at least they finally got to sid vicious being the champion but they made us go through like barrels of just toxic waste to get there which is a huge problem about this part of wcw 2000 because what's funny is from january until the reboot which was april 10th which by the way talk about another blast from the past the pepsi center in denver colorado you know that building where the avalanche play now that was a that was a brand new facility in 2000 crazy to think about that yeah but so, this but this period of three months before Bischoff and Russo come back, it's like a different universe because we go from hot shot BS of the last part of 1999 and then the hot shot BS of the reboot. And you have this three month period where like some things actually make way more sense. And then other things are like this where it's just like, hey, let's just throw something against a wall and just hope it works. And Sid Vicious was actually kind of over. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me tell you like, something right actually, now. Actually, he was very over. Sid Vicious was becoming the biggest baby face in this company because, well, look, here's the thing, right? Uh, Goldberg was hurt. Yep. Bret Hart was hurt. Hogan wasn't there. Hogan wasn't there. I believe Sting was hurt. Uh, so that was the other thing, because, yeah, he was. And wasn't he getting called out by the total package? Okay. It's oh. Lex. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Totally forgot about this. Okay. 
your thoughts on the total package. Not Luger. You can say the total package. Actually, this was the whole thing. Lex Luger was dead. He was hanging out with Elizabeth. It was the total package. Yeah. Thoughts on the total package. It's the crappiest. Actually, it's the second (laughs) crappiest name. It's the second crappiest name of the night, Ross. Because the, the crappiest name of the night was easily the wall. Who, by the way, the wall actually had a decent match, a decent squash match, because they actually gave some offense to whatever the heck the guy's name was that he wrestled on that Monday Nitro. I think they went like six or seven minutes. It was, it was good. It was well paced. Um, okay, you know, so the wall wrestled a cruiserweight named Kid Romeo. Yeah, Kid Romeo. Thank you. Who was from the WCW Power Plant? Kid Romeo became one half of the inaugural cruiserweight tag team champions. Okay, that makes sense. The guy could go, and he made the he made the wall look really good. Like I was like, uh, so so he was a a graduate of what was called the power plant. Yeah. Which was the training center for WCW where basically they would bring in, you know, guys to work with Paul Orndorff. May he rest in peace to get ready to be in WCW. There'll be a lot more power plant guys in the year 2000. It was a fascinating time to see certain guys get absolutely pushed to the moon. Some of them you will absolutely recognize by the way. Um, but yeah, um, the wall was a leftover gimmick from the failed experiment that was Berlin, a.k.a. Alex Wright. Well, that's a terrible name. Yes, and it was spelled B-E-R-L-Y-N. That sounds idiotic. So the total package and the wall, both two of the worst names I've ever heard in my entire life. All right. But the wall actually had a decent match with Kid Romeo. It was actually an enjoyable squash of six or seven minutes because Kid Romeo got in a lot of offense. All right. The total package had a match against Booker T. Oh, okay. 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 See, this is bringing, this is why I love this discussion. I'm I'm really glad you're entertaining me with this because. Do my best. It it makes, I no. honestly, you are not crapping all over this. And I love it because again, I'm making you appreciate it. Plus, we had the time to do it in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Booker T had gone through a lot by this point. Okay. Yeah, so he's feuding with um, Stevie Ray and um, what, what's his, what's the guy that uh, replaced Booker T? That would be Big T, a.k.a. Big T, thank you. AKA Ahmed Johnson. That's Ahmed Johnson. I was like, I know that guy. Why is he not clicking for me? I knew it. Yeah. Ahmed Johnson used to have an incredible finisher back in WWF. Did he use that finisher in WCW as well? His Tiger Bomb? Ahmed Johnson was a fat shell of himself in WCW. It's his, unfortunate. His Tiger Bomb was awful. In WCW, Aw- really? Awful. That's unfortunate. And, and unfortunately... As good of a worker as Stevie Ray is, he ain't Booker T. Stevie Ray was never going to be able to carry a group without his brother. Yeah, because and you could tell. Because let me tell you something right now. There is a reason why I confidently tell you my favorite WCW star of all time is Booker is, T. Is Booker T. Yeah. 
because this was still during the time when they were still trying to get him ready to be the superstar he would become Mm -hmm. because which 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 actually frustrates me about this match ross not to interrupt you but that's actually what frustrated me Mm -hmm. because i understand the total package Mm -hmm. i i get that i mean he's up a you know former nwo member former world champion lex lex luter was one of the few named guys they still had left at this time Right. So, and so with he all goes those over, guys that were hurt, they had to use the total package somehow. Yeah. And you don't just goes, not use a guy like that. Go no, on. No, I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying don't use Lex Luger, but I was like, this, it would have been a perfect opportunity because you could tell that Booker T was a baby face. He was up and coming. And I, so I don't know if I've ever told you this. I don't like the torture rack whatsoever as a finisher. I think it's why I don't think. I think the torture rack is good. I don't like Lex Luger's torture rack. Let me let me be very clear. Okay, now remember, okay, and this is I can't believe I'm defending Lex Luger here. This was this was not this was not the Lex Luger from the WWF. Okay. This was the Lex Luger that was more broken down. This was okay. How do I put this the best way possible? Okay, here's what I'll say. This version of Lex Luger mm-hmm. was a bigger star version of the masterpiece Chris Masters. Sure. I can in, believe that. In he's got the body, he's still a name, and he could barely he he could he could barely talk. And he could barely talk. And if you put him in a situation where he could succeed and just be the Luger character where he could just be Lex Luger, mm-hmm. that'd be fine. Yeah. So at this point, look, Lex Luger has rarely looked bad. Okay. Like physique wise, he's always, he's oh, always he looks looked incredible. Phenomenal. Yeah. But, but unfortunately at this point, that finisher did not look as impressive as it once did given the state of, of just Luger's body. Which makes sense. Which but, makes sense. But at that point, it's not like you're going to reinvent the wheel with that guy. So you might as well just go with what got you to the dance. I know, but you could easily change up the finisher and give him something more ground and pound. Or I, I don't know. They, I feel like they could have done something different. Okay. And um, also, you know, making when you're in the torture rack, you you tap, and so it's like I I I, I shouldn't have been seeing. Uh, an up-and-coming Booker T tapping out to Lex Luger on a Monday Nitro. I would prefer, a, because, especially considering that Stevie Ray and Big T go ahead and attack him from behind. Okay, a so... fall would have made more sense. So, I will actually defend this finish. One, because you're still getting over the total package gimmick. You still sure. want to keep that strong for what they've done with it. That's not the guy he's feuding with. There's already, you know, nefarious actions taken out from his brother's right yeah. so you're mm-hmm. setting up that feud which by the way it's so funny that that feud was centered around big t and booker t and not stevie ray and booker t that that yeah. always very much confused me but the point is not the point is not to make booker t look great because one he's not feuding with the guy that you're trying to keep look strong and b mm-hmm. you're trying to make him still trying to overcome the odds even though he would lose that pay-per-view match and 
completely disassociate himself from Harlem Heat. And that's when he really started to be the singles guy officially. Yeah. Which there was a whole bunch of BS from that, too. But yeah, no, look, Booker T deserved better way earlier than he did. You could tell. And he unfairly gets blamed for, you know, because he was on top during one of the worst periods of WCW. He was. By the time he won the title, that company, the ship was already nose up. It was already done by the time they made him the champion. But I agree. But you can tell just from this match that somebody in that company is like, you know what? We got to get Booker T ready to wrestle the main event guys. And And, and, and the only time I'll ever go ahead and speak positively about Vince Russo on this podcast was Vince Russo was one of those guys that said, I want Booker T as one of my top guys. And so that's why in this spot, I will say, okay, look, Booker T has got to know how to wrestle, you know, Lex Luger. Yeah. Kevin Nash, Sting, DDP, Hogan, um, Hogan Flair, Hard, um, yeah. you know, and, and and by the way, even to a lesser extent, some of the other guys, you know, Jarrett, Scott Steiner, Buff Bagwell, like he's got to learn how all these guys that have different styles that are yes. slow. And so and so what you have to do with guys like that is you have to get them ready for it. Yeah. So. Wow, an episode of Nitro that you actually didn't hate all of. I, I it's true. I, I'm be, I'm being completely honest. Now, I, can I mention two negative things that really struck oh, a chord? There's, there's 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 way more than two negative things on this show. Yeah. But go ahead. No, I know, but but the, but I I don't want to go out and go on a huge diatribe. I felt like I've gone on a diatribe enough. But the the one the one thing that was very noticeable from the very beginning, Ross, was and WWE has been has done this a lot. No, they don't do it anywhere near as much now. Thank God, but they, they have done it. And so I'll give them equal blame. And but WCW was very, very much doing it. Talking about other things, not pertaining to the match that was happening in front of them. And what I mean by that is a constant. And I understand it was a WCW title match that was happening in the main event of that show. I fully understand that, but every match Ross, Every match talking about Sid Vicious and then his match with the Harris brothers and then Sid Vicious and Kevin Nash and not, not by the way, if you forgot that that's what they were talking about, every commercial break was a segment of Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, Scott Hall, and Jeff Jarrett with the ladies backstage. In case you forgot, that was what's going on. It was just a constant badgering of even in mid-match, like in, in, in the opening contest of, of, of Psychosis versus Hayashi, what was the what, what did they talk about more? Sid Vicious, Kevin Nash, and the WCW championship, more so than the cruiserweight match that was happening in a tournament that they were covering. And it was just constant all night. You are muted. Let me ask you this question. Okay. Go ahead. What is the most important thing on this show? The WCW title. And who owned it at the beginning of this night? No one. Okay. When you have your world title that's vacated Uh and 
the overarching story of the night is Kevin Nash is in the world title match. Who's the commissioner? Yeah. Who's the commissioner? And this guy that they're building as the biggest baby face of your company is being made to jump through hoops the whole night just to get a match with Kevin Nash in the main event of the show. And by I'm the way, say- and by the way, these are two of your biggest stars of your company. Yeah. Of course you're promoting it all night. And by the way, the whole theme was Kevin Nash isn't worried. The Harris brothers are going to beat him. He can take the night off. He's just going to be the champ. He'll just award it to himself at the end of the yeah, night. Actually, Who if I'm cares? Saying, I think at the beginning of his promo before the title match, he talks about that Steiner and Hall and Jarrett had left with the ladies to go to Vegas because they were getting the party ready because he was going to meet them afterwards because he was expecting to win the title. Yes. I believe that was his promo. So, like, the uh, by NW- the way, it, it, can you, the amount of details that I am giving should know. I genuinely watched WCW Monday Nitro oh, no. the January 24th, 2000 episode. No, oh, now, <laughs> was this the night where it was Scott Steiner's birthday or was that a different night? No, I do not believe it was his birthday. Yet. Okay. I, I would have remembered that. Okay. Yeah. So, no, but this was like, this is the whole thing. Like, the NWO are in the catbird seat. They're the they're the power group. They have the commissioner. They don't have a care in the world. They just picked up these two beefy guys as bodyguards. Right. They're like nothing it's, is going to go wrong for them. And yeah, then I guess I guess you're right. So on this show, right? Mm-hmm. And look, I understand, right? Ray Mysterio. No one cared about the cruiserweight title. No, I guess you're right. Okay, so I guess you're right. But but considering the amount of backstage segments that they gave to the NWO on top of them constantly I, promoting it all night long, it, I know it was like an overbearing of like, oh my god. All right, so this is this is this is the point I will make, and it's probably going to upset some people, and I don't care because it's reality. Okay, so there was a section of the audience, like myself, that really appreciated the fact of oh. Well, what they're showcasing on this show are the stars and everything else is filler. Now, that may be inconsiderate or whatever. And then and then there were genuinely people that loved WCW for the cruiserweights, for all the things that didn't involve. Oh, it's the. It's, I mean, we're, 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 we're on year three of the NWO storyline. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of all these big guys on top that have been on top for years. Sid Vicious and Kevin Nash have been on top for years and people were, the people were tired of it, but here's the problem. These are guys that main events WrestleMania. Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid main events at WrestleMania against the Undertaker, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as Kevin Nash. Here's, here's the problem. Okay. You have to have stars. Oh no, no, I know. Oh, I'm not. Uh, I'm so not, now, uh, so, hmm. so, so. Here's the problem. Okay, we now have a fan base. Okay, I'm hmm. not saying you are part of this fan base, and I appreciate the fact that you that you can enjoy a psychosis match. When for me, it was just skip segment. Terrible for me every time. I can appreciate that you like that part of the show and that you can find good things in a show that was mostly trash anyway. Okay. I can appreciate that. 
What I have a problem with, which is happening way more in, well, probably AEW than WWE. There is a section of the fan base that wants the psychosis Kaz Hayashi guys to be main event guys. Yeah, I, I, I see where and you're I'm, coming and from. I, and, I'm, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that life isn't fair and we can't push 50 guys at once. And by the way, okay, which you'll find out later in this. Okay. Just because you wrestle a main eventer does not mean you are automatically going to get the rub from that guy and you yourself become a main event level guy. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's what they were trying to do on this episode of Nitro. What I'm saying is that this is a trend of a select part of the audience that's like, well, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm just going to think everything else sucks because I'm not getting what I want. And then when you get what you want, you just expect that to be the norm. Yeah. When when I'm sorry, but last I checked, the pro wrestling business still has to involve actual people that actual people, you know, give two craps about. Right. No, and I think that everything you said is is perfectly fair and i wasn't trying to make it seem like i needed tanae and shivani and brain to be just talking about the you know the cruiserweight match it's not that it was just almost as if in the middle of the match they were talking about more about the main event than they were about the actual match like i can understand you bringing it up you know and then hyping it up in other segments but just like focus on what's going on right now that was my that was my two cents on that and the other thing was and I think you've touched on this before when you've discussed WCW 2000 in the past, but the amount of constant outside interference that Ross, I believe, was completely oh, unnecessary. Oh, my God. Good okay. God. So let me give you a perfect example, and then uh-huh. I'll let you launch. Three count. Okay? Right. Shout out to our homies, Evan Courageous and Shannon Moore, and I can't remember the third guy's name. What's the third Shane guy's Helms. name? Shane Helms. Thank you. Shane Helms. I could I can't remember that it was Shane Helms. This honest. was this was before he was Sugar Shane Helms and used the vertebraker as his finisher. Go on. Okay, fair enough. So they have a ma- <laughs> they have a match against Smiling Norman Smiley. Is that what it is? Norman Smiley, who would always come dressed as the local team's uh, sports gear. Yeah, so he comes out in a Dodgers garb, which I'm sure you would have appreciated at the time, and you probably still do. But the problem is, he's also wearing a cat. He's he's in he's in is catcher's gear so he takes off the, the 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 glove but he keeps on the chest protection and whatnot and that's how we that's how he wrestled the entirety of the night okay this match wasn't terrible ross because it was actually shannon moore in 2000 doing shannon moore things where you're like oh snap i forgot that shannon moore could actually do those things in 2000 it's pretty remarkable um before his body broke down yeah until his mark yeah you're right you're absolutely right and so he was moving with speed norman smiley norman smiley is moving with like ridiculous speed that these two guys and norman smiley is interesting because he you could tell he was much bigger bigger than shannon moore but the fact that he was like not only keeping up but even setting the pace was actually pretty remarkable positive thing number what four of about this broadcast ross unbelievable but Heaven helped me understand why Evan Courageous and Shane Helms felt compelled to not only interfere in this match, but the way that 
everything happened was so close to, by the way, rest in peace, Mickey Henson, who was actually the ref in this match. And he actually ended up passing away, I believe, yesterday. So may he rest in peace. But the interference happening so close to him, Ross, like literally one foot away. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't notice anything. And I was just, I it's one thing for interference to happen in a match, which happens all the time in my 25 plus years of watching professional wrestling. Outside interference happens on behalf of the heel. It happens all the time. That's not the problem. The blatant disregard of the, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? Sanity or just intelligence of a human being that something is happening literally an inch away from them and they are not paying attention to anything blew my mind. And not to mention three count didn't have to get involved. And by the way, that wasn't the only time that there was outside interference in the opening cruiserweight match. Hoovy got involved multiple times against Hayashi. Um, Obviously we talked about big T and Stevie Ray attacking Booker T in his match versus the total package. And then, of course, the very heavily featured guitar shot of Jeff Jarrett, where he tried to hit Sid Vicious and it hit Kevin Nash instead. Am I missing any more outside interference from this particular match? I do not believe I am. Okay, so um, if my memory serves me correctly, um, did any of the three count guys come out with a belt? Yes, no, maybe. I do not believe so. Okay. So if memory serves me correctly, three count, the three members of three count beat Brian Knobs for the hardcore title. And they were then feuding with Norman Smiley at Super Brawl in a three-on-one hardcore match for the hardcore title. I love, love, wow. And of course, because it's WCW and actually the WWE does this all the time, which is, hey, you're funny. Let's just uh, pigeonhole you into being a stupid moron. Hey, look, it's our truth. Or to a very lesser extent, remember what happened to Dean Ambrose? They found out he was funny, so they just made him a comic and spray yeah. mustard and ketchup and Orton and Kane's face. Remember that segment of Ambrose? Of course, Ambrose's? Keith Slater. Keith Slater was yes. telling everybody that he had like 95 kids. So and Brock Lesnar proceeded to tell him that he did not care about his kids. So basically they found out that Norman Smiley screaming was funny. And then that was also during the time when he would do the move called the wiggle. The, the wiggle where he would get behind his opponent and smack them in the ass. And oh, gyrate around them. yeah. Oh my God. He did that multiple times in this match. I was yes. like, that was doing? no, that was, that was his gimmick. It was not very, it was not, no, it was, oh my God. Some people loved. Apparently. And I heard them go crazy in Staples. I did. I heard it over the tail, over my phone. I was like, oh my God. So anyways, the amount of outside interference that I felt completely unnecessary. Uh, Okay. So one more thing, because I think he was on this show. The cat. Oh, is that what his name is? Ernest the cat. Miller, was he coming out to the James Brown music by this point? Oh, that was some trash ass entrance music. That was terrible. You know what it sounded like? It sounded like a it sounded like a freaking clown at a circus. And that's why I was like, okay, now, go ahead. yeah, now 
you you probably listened to the WWE edit, so I'm sure it came out as dun 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 dun. That was his theme, right? That sounds so, okay. So, something like it. Yeah. So the WCW music was um he came out to was um let's see oh oh it, it started with uh i'm the greatest <laughs> so what the wwe make an edit because of what copyright issues yes it's copyright oh. issues because i believe james brown actually helped put together that song at some point which by the way super brawl was in san francisco that year and the uh-huh. actual james brown showed up on that show nice very okay. crazy so anyway uh, Ernest He's the Cat Miller with his uh, with his red shoes. Uh, was he wearing red shoes? No, but he I think he was wearing like a leopard print shirt with okay. sunglasses. Did, and he had blonde hair. Yes. And uh, did he have his valet at this point? No, he did not. He came out by himself. Oh, he didn't have Mrs. Jones yet. Okay. You'll see Mrs. Jones, which that was well, also. I won't. You might. I won't because I'm not watching it with WCW 2000 after tonight. Wow. A one-time <laughs> shot, huh? <laughs> One time shot. Okay, tell you what. I'm kidding. You. I'm kidding. I'll, maybe. I mean, I did start the February first edition, and boy, howdy, was it a snooze fest for the first twenty minutes. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. I'll make you a deal because you decided to play along this week, and I knew we were going to have a lot of fun with it because I have like intricate knowledge of this time period, and you're basically experiencing it for the first time, which is which is great. I love it. I will let you take a break until we get to the reboot episode, which the reboot episode is April the 10th. April the 10th. Okay. So that's right around WrestleMania time. Right. So so, just after. So I will make it a point Mm -hmm. to make sure that you watch the reboot episode just to get your reaction and just so that I can talk about it. Sure. I, I, I'll tell you what I'll do that. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll watch this February 1st, just to go ahead and at least get two episodes in and kind of have an idea of, okay, this was WCW 2000 from January up until late March, because it seems that though boring and flat, it, it was, eh, you know what I mean? It, it, it sounded like it, it looked like it was fine. It was it, it, it was it was very much a time period of we're in a holding period. You this is, this I is, felt it. This is what we want you to do because we have to figure out how we're going to approach the rest of this year and figure out because remember, pretty much for most of this year, they were trying to figure out who was gonna buy the company because they were selling the company. Which included a group headed up by Eric Bischoff, who was basically saying they were going to buy the company, and then they didn't because they basically took TV Time Warner away. sold it from under them, right? Or Time Warner? Yeah, it was Time Warner. Well, yeah, because that was the whole AOL Time Warner merger. It's yeah, a yeah, whole yeah. thing. Anyway, the point is that, yes, this is very much the holding pattern section of the year 2000. It's very, very evident. So for those of you that were thoroughly entertained and laughed and enjoyed the journey with us, thank you. For those of you that were horribly bored by it, too bad. <laughs> no, the 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 whole point of this is I just want to have fun with it. I'm glad yeah. you had fun with it. I'm glad I got natural reactions out of you. And of course, you would like a psychosis Kaz Hayashi match that I what easily skip. like? Was it? What else was? Did you really expect him to like Sid Vicious versus Kevin Nash? Like, 
It was fine. Storytelling was like no. really forced. No. But I, actually, you know what? Again, I, my favorite match of the night was probably the wall versus Kid Romeo. That's oh my the best god! Match of the night, man. The wa- you heard it here first, everybody. Jorge's favorite match on a WCW Nitro from uh, January of 2000 was the Wall versus Kid Romeo. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they made st- they they were making it seem like Sting was there because they turned off the lights when Luger won the match against Booker T. So, um, I think he was recovering from surgery. So the transition that they would make eventually is um heenan and tenay would move to thunder eventually yeah mark at was was it mark abbott that because the following i'm watching the following episode and all of a sudden heenan's not on broadcast it was mark abbott it it was his name is actually mark madden mark i'm sorry mark adden i apologize (laughs) madden with an m you know like you know like john madden john madden yeah right mark madden um, Mark Madden had worked for WCW for a long time. He actually still does radio in Pittsburgh. Um, big into sports, was was big into wrestling. He was the over-the-top heel announcer, or at least that's what he became. Mm-hmm. Um, love him or hate him, there's going to be some stuff later on that you're going to be like, oh my gosh, Mark Madden's crazy. But they brought in another guy named Scott Hudson, who was much more of a complimentary piece because they decided to go with the Tanae play-by-play edition. But Scott Hudson is a straight... So what happened with Shivani when they did that? Uh, he was just doing Nitro. And actually, for a while, he was doing both. Oh, okay. Uh, so he was basically the Michael Cole of this era. He was doing basically everything. But they essentially just had him do Nitros. So they would kind of pivot off of that and have today do thunder and that's how they brought on uh scott hudson and mark madden which by the way if you ever hear one of those broadcasts they are very different from the one that you just heard with today and with bobby the brain heenan but uh well for me i always grew to love the insanity that was that three-man booth because you had the two clear baby faces and the one extremely overt heel which is always a good balance if you have the right mm-hmm. if you have the right crew so i got you well it was uh it was a very interesting experience that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> i was like dear god well i i, I what, it was what it Okay, I'm not going to lie to you when I say this. I think it was one of the longer hour and 36 minutes I've ever experienced in my entire life. I was like, man, this has been a long show. Where are we at? It was 32 minutes in. Dude, dude, do you have any idea how glad you should be that you don't have to cover three-hour nitros? (laughs) 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 Just just be glad that those episodes are 90 minutes. Listen, yeah, let me tell you. I'll I'll tell you to anybody who's listening right now. If you think a three-hour Raw is bad, the worst three-hour Raw would not feel as slow and plotting as the Monday Nitro that I just watched. (laughs) (laughs) It just wouldn't, brother. I'm I'm not lying to you. Let's wrap it up, man. It's been a fun show. It's been a fun show. I liked it. Yeah, I'm willing to dabble and dibble in dabble and dibble, dibble and whatever you say. I'm willing to go ahead and maybe catch some. I'm looking forward to maybe catching some April 2000 WCW to see how bad it really was. 
I had God. an expectation of being terrible, and it was, it, it, and it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't horrendously bad. It was just, again, as I've stated multiple times on the broadcast tonight, rather flat and boring, which there, is better than being terrible. There right? are there are things on this show that you watched that I know. There are things on this show that were still done better than some of the stuff we see on pro wrestling television shows today. Really? Okay. That's very interesting to me. That's very interesting. Not many things. Yeah. But there are still some things that were done on that show that are still not replicated to the success that they are today. Because look, the athleticism is way better. The wrestling's way better. Um, some of the promo work is better. Pro, I think that I think the promo work is different because it's a lot more reality based. Well, they didn't break the fourth wall anywhere near as much back then as they do now. No. So I guess what I'll say is this: no matter what era of wrestling you watch, there is going to be bad stuff. There's going to be good stuff. All I know is (laughs) just just be careful what you wish for because the stuff that was happening in the late 90s and early 2000s guess what we're still seeing a lot of the same problems even today hell we're just seeing an egomaniac uh someone who didn't even have an ego that we expected all of a sudden grow an ego and just drove a pillar of a company out of the company at least from what we can see and i'm talking about tony khan so we're seeing it all over again. These things happen. It's pretty amazing how history repeats itself when it comes to professional wrestling. It, <coughs> excuse me. It really is. And, and um, you're right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see how much worse WCW can get. So I'll be looking forward to perhaps discussing some April stuff uh, once we get down to that. But uh, for now, it's been a really fun show, hasn't it, Ross? I've had a good time. I, I I actually had a much better time talking WCW 2000 with you tonight, especially knowing what I was talking about than I have in the past. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to allow me to, um, you know, just kind there, of talk there, about it. There you go. And yeah. And uh, but I'm going to say this right now. Okay. We have a really, really cool thing coming for episode 200. Indeed. And you know. We, it is massive, at least for me and it, and for this show. And I cannot wait until it happens. Uh, my final thought for you, because you also do a podcast about uh, vehicles. I, I, I saw the picture for the nude Ford Bronco. Maybe not do it in that color. That's all I'm going to well, say. What was the color? Because I'm not sure. It was white. I feel white on a Bronco is just, there's a lot more color schemes that you can okay, go with on a okay. Bronco and white. Ta- is just time out, thing. time out. Just think as simple as you can. Uh, what's his, uh, hold on. Uh, his name is uh, obviously, o- what's OJ's actual name? Um, Orenthal James Simpson. Thank you. Orenthal. Yeah. Yeah. No, not a good look. Maybe not promote your new car in white. White. <laughs> That's good. That's very funny. All right. This has been the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the rest. WabamaEntertainment.com. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Ross the Real Boss 85, the one and only J Man 19, 
Um, the Double Turn Podcast itself on the Double Turn Podcast. Um, is it? Oh gosh, it's been weeks. TDT it... Wrestling Pod on Twitter, Thank which you. I've been, I've been, I've been lighting up Twitter all day today, uh, and as well as yesterday because of Brock Lesnar being on Pat McAfee. If you haven't watched Brock Lesnar on Pat McAfee's podcast yesterday, it is it it is absolutely worth your time. Please watch it. Uh, so so uh, Chamber is this weekend. This Saturday, correct. Okay. So I'm sure next week we will talk chamber for sure. We'll talk about the fallout from chamber for sure. And uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll get uh, Jorge to watch uh, the rest of the February 1st episode. I don't know. I don't know, man. It depends how bad elimination (laughs) chamber is, right? (laughs) All right. So until Uh, then, as uh, Jorge's phone keeps going on and off. So yeah, um, with that being said, it's been a fun ride. It's been the the double turn wrestling podcast. He's been the J man. I am Boss Ross, and we'll check out Hops you. and Box Office Plops. By the way, there are our buddies who always rep us, so I want to make sure that we give them all the love we can. So, shout out to the Thunderous Wizard and the crew, of course. Indeed, I am Boss Ross, and it's been the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. We will catch you on the flip side.